The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, over the past 20 years or so, there has arisen among spiritual teachers a certain mythology that has sunk its teeth into the psyche of the New Age, New Thought, Human Potential Movement adherents, along with those who call themselves spiritual but not religious. It is the idea that fear opposes love, and that if one loves, one cannot fear, and vice versa. It is based in the biblical tenet that perfect love casts out fear. But we've got some real misunderstanding about what this means, and we've added a lot of shoulds and personal judgment that can be damaging. So today we're going to talk about love and fear. So we said that the origin of that belief was found in the Bible. It's actually in a text, the text of 1 John 4.18 that says, Perfect love casts out fear. And it goes on to say, Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. That same statement was picked up again later by the Course in Miracles. And they say... Their quote is, perfect love casts out fear. If fear exists, then there is not perfect love. But only perfect love exists. If there is fear, it produces a state that does not exist. So um, the one is using the idea of punishment. The Bible is using the idea of punishment, fear of punishment, um, to say that perhaps if we are afraid of punishment, then we don't understand love. We're not perfected in love. And uh, the other is saying that only love exists, so fear can't exist, um, and because perfect love casts out fear. And I, I, you know, I think we what we've done with that is we've decided that we need to split the psyche off and uh, throw our fear into the unconscious, and try to maintain this fearless attitude toward life. And um, and then there's a lot of people that are teaching that all of life as we see it in the external world is an illusion. And the only truth is uh, is love. Well, I do agree that the only truth is love. And let me be really clear about that. I want that to be a foundational premise of what I say, everything else that I say today. Everything is love. Everything does fall down to love. Ultimately, everything is love. Um, so, uh, you know, that's clear. But that doesn't mean that love Love, uh, it says, if perfect love casts out fear, if fear exists, then there is not perfect love. Well, how could that be true if only love exists? And then so they say, well, then, okay, fear must not exist. But what I would say is that fear is just another form of love. So instead of casting it out, instead of saying, I I can't have any fear in my life and I've got to repress all of my fears so that I can be this fearless person, 
What we need to be doing is finding the love in fear because it's there, because there's love in everything. So we look around us today, and there's a lot of people that are very afraid. And uh, we saw a bunch of those people marching this past Saturday uh, all over the world, in Washington, D.C., and in in several cities of the United States and in several cities all around the world, which was very moving and a very profound statement that was being made about not only women's rights, but about the right to freedom and choice and and, um, um, uh, the resistance of hate uh, in every form. So uh, a lot was said this Saturday about that, and um, there's a lot being said from people who also want to continue to do what's always been done, which is to hate and to um, to sort of uh, dismiss people's rights. But uh, so in that in the midst of that, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of people that are very afraid. And they're trying to tell themselves not to be afraid because perfect love casts out fear and I need to not be afraid or I'm not really being very loving. Uh, At the same time, hate, of course, is not loving. And, uh, you know, there's also Bible passages that say that if if a man says that he, in in that same book, 1 John, that says that if a man says that he loves God and does not, and he hates his brother, then he's a liar. So, of course, we know hate's not love, too. And so what, what needs to happen is, the, uh, it goes on to say that the commandment is that if you say you love God, you have to love your brother too. So, uh, so basically what we have here is a situation where we're trying to decide what's really true and false about our human relations, what's really true and false about a difference and, and human relations, what's really true and false about, about love, what's really true and false about um, fear. And so these things are really, really important spiritual principles, and that is what's really going on behind all this stuff on the surface. The surface stuff is not an illusion. It's real. It's really happening. We really are having an experience of planet Earth. And so when we tell ourselves, oh, it's just an illusion, what we're saying to ourselves is, oh, well, then I don't really have to deal deal with that at all. And then we miss the growth experience because we haven't had an experience because we've just avoided the whole thing by saying it's an illusion. That's not going to work either. We ha- we are here to experience life and all of its all of its experiences, good, bad, and ugly, and that means that we will have to tread on territory that's not comfortable for us sometimes, and that's going to bring up fear. But what does that mean? Does that mean that, that, that we have stopped loving, we've stopped being in love, and we've entered the illusion, and we've lost sight of, of the divine, and we're lost again? That's what a lot of people think it means, and, I, and that's a sad um, uh, result of the teachings that have been out there that have said that, um, that perfect love casts out fear, and therefore we can't be afraid. Um, that What's happened is a lot of people are judging themselves anytime they feel afraid, and they're and they're now they're afraid and self-critical. <laughs> They've doubled the problem instead of really trying to heal the problem. And the problem is that we don't trust our emotions. The problem is that we have been taught to believe that our emotions are bad and that we shouldn't really have those, especially the ones that are so-called negative emotions. I'm really, really sorry that we've decided to split our emotions into positive and negative emotions. I really think that's a bad idea. Because what it does is tell us that some emotions should be had and others should not be had. And that, that, uh, that keeps us in this mode of split off. So here's what I want to say. If you're being taught 
that you should not be afraid and that you should not be angry. You're being taught to split off. You're not being taught to be conscious. You're being taught to split off. You're being taught to put part of you in the unconscious and leave the other part in your conscious experience. And what will happen as a result of any repression is that you will be you will be going along one day and it'll just out in some other way. Somebody will push the proverbial button and and it'll come out in some other way and it won't be pretty. You'll you know have a, a lot of times people are trying really hard to repress their fear and then all of a sudden they're driving along one day and they have this huge panic attack and they don't know why. Well, it's piled up in there and it's got it's trying to find a way out and this is its only way. The same thing with anger when we you know push our anger away and push it away and push it away and push it away and then one day somebody drops a proverbial straw and we blow. How did that happen? Well, it happened because we piled up anger for so long that it eventually had to find a, a blow valve. So it blew. And um, and that's how that works. So if somebody is telling you that she, you should not be having feelings of fear and that when you have feelings of fear you can't be living in love, they're not telling you the truth. They're telling you that you, you that 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 you must live off a, a split off existence, and that just furthers our unconsciousness. Becoming whole means becoming more conscious. It does not mean becoming more unconscious. It means becoming more conscious. So, in order for us to deal with this mythology about love versus fear, what we have to do is begin to see fear as the love it is. Because if everything is love, then fear is also love doesn't mean fear doesn't exist and shouldn't exist, as it's stated in The Course in Miracles and as we've been taught to believe. It means that we, we, are, we are beings of love. We are filled up to the overflowing with love. There's nothing in there but love, but that means that fear is also love. So how can fear be love? Well, you know, I've said this about six million times on this show over the nine years that this show has been running, and, uh, but I'll say it again. Uh, if you're standing in the middle of the street and there's a Mack truck coming, you need to be afraid. And that fear is going to be the motivation that's going to instinctively drive you out of that street. And so that fear comes and then you move out of the street. And it happens so quickly you don't even realize it, but that fear saved your life. Okay? So that's one of the ways that fear can help us. It can also help us because it tells us that um, there's we need to slow down we need to take an assessment of what's going on. I'm feeling this fear. I'm walking into a, a hallway, and I'm feeling this fear, and my fear says, okay, slow down, look around, see what's going on, see what's happening. And that, I use that hallway very metaphorically. It could be a job you're taking. It could be a, a new project you have to do. It could be um, somebody new that you're meeting. It could be somebody new that you might want to go out with, uh, have a date with. Um, but you, you feel some fear. And what the fear can do is just say, okay, slow down. Let's look and listen. Let's pay attention to what's going on, and let's do a real thorough assessment. And, and that's how fear can love us. It's loving us. It's nurturing us. It's taking care of us. It's saying, look, let's pay attention here because something, you know, you, you, something might be up. Now, of course, there's times when we're afraid when there's nothing to be afraid of. Um, and usually those fears have to do with old stuff that, um, you know, we're, we, we've got this, um, something's going on, something's happening, and, and it triggers 
a memory or an emotional response to something that happened in the past as if it's happening again today. Well, how can that be loving us? That's not very fair. Well, of course it can be loving us because it wants what it wants us to do is resolve all of our feelings about that past event so we can move really move past it so that it doesn't keep getting triggered. So if we look at it that way, then it becomes our friend. Then friend becomes our friend. But we very commonly don't look at it that way. We commonly look at it as our enemy. Fear is our enemy. It, it weakens us. Um, we, we think that fear makes us weak and fear makes us uh, unable and fear paralyzes us. Well, certainly we can decide, we can choose paralysis. You know, it's fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze is one option we've got. Flight is another option. Fight is another option. And a, a fourth option is to stand still and listen. That's the one we don't listen to very much. That's the one we don't know that much about. That's not the. That's the one we, we haven't been taught to do with fear. We've been taught that fear is is something we should fight about, we should flee from, or we should freeze in, and and those are our options. And uh, and and those options limit us as to what we can do with fear. So. Uh, that fourth option means to really sit with our fear, to be mindful of it, to attend to it as if it has some loving message to give us, and it absolutely does. Um, and uh, and that's, uh, that's you know, what we're going to spend our time talking about today is that whole idea that fear is love. Love, love, is, love and fear are not separate entities, and they are not enemies. They are friends. In fact, fear is love, and love is fear. They are the same thing because nothing is not love. Everything is love. Um, and, and so I think we've had this basic misunderstanding. And the reason we have these misunderstandings is because we live in a world that has taught us that, of, about duality. We live in a world where we believe that we're separate from the divine. We live in a world where we believe we're separate from ourselves, our deepest core essence, which is divine. We believe that we're separate from that and that we, we can live in one way and have this other way inside of us. And a lot of us secret away our, our truest thoughts and feelings because we are afraid what other people would do with those. And we secret them away because we are ashamed of them. We secret them away because we uh, fear what you know other people would do with them. Will they reject us if they just knew who we are or what we think like? Will they reject us? And certainly that's, that, that does happen. People do reject us because they're judgmental and, they, and, and hate is one of the things that uh, comes up for people sometimes, particularly today, where there's a lot of loud noise going on about race and uh, homophobia and uh, different, uh, different ethnicities and different ways of being. And um, so... You know, and it's uh, there's a, a big war now between the rich and the poor, and and that's that's been ongoing, but it's going to get louder and bigger as time goes by. Um, so we're there's a lot of hate out there, that's for sure. But then, if we are living in love, where love is everything there is, then even when someone hates me, there's some kind of love in that for me that I can get. That doesn't mean that that person is conscious of their love for me or that we'll even be able to work out a relationship. Perhaps the relationship would be very toxic. But it does mean that I can use that as as a way of loving myself 
and as a way of feeling the divine love within me. So if everything falls down to love, then everything falls down to love. And and to for us to separate things out and go, oh, well, that's not love, so stop doing that, is to deny the reality that everything is love. Um, but what we've done instead is say, well, fear can't be love, so we have to get rid of fear. And that leaves it all up to us. It leaves it all up to the ego. It leaves it all up to the identity to, to, to make fear go away so that love can con- conquer. And, uh, and that makes for a war. It makes for an inner conflict. And inner conflicts make us anxious. And they make us uh, take away our energy. And they make us less creative. And they make us uh, incapable of living lives that are full of abundance and freedom. Um, so uh, those inner conflicts are the problem, though, not the fear. In the, and so we don't want to. We want to um, remove the inner conflict as much as possible by accepting whatever comes up as legitimate and having a loving voice. That's exactly what we do when we meditate. You know, we we let a thought rise to the surface and we just don't judge it. We go, oh, okay, there's that thought, and we don't attach to it. We just don't judge it. But in in our everyday working living worlds, we do judge it. We tell it it's bad, and we shouldn't have it, and it should go away. And unfortunately, a lot of times we spend time in meditation trying to make feelings go away. That what we really want to experience in meditation is this feeling of great and wonderful peace and this wonderful bliss. And, and certainly there are times when our meditation can be that. But there's other times when our meditation can just be this quiet mindfulness that I'm just listening to what goes on inside of me. And that can be very healing and very uh, powerful in its um, ability to change how we feel and how we are that day. Um, so it's important to, um, to, to place things in their appropriate place. When we say fear should not exist, what we do is try to place it in the unconscious. Um, but if we allow it to come forth and present itself to us then it doesn't go into the unconscious it remains in the conscious experience and it has a voice and if we listen to it we turn it turns out that its voice is loving that it can give us a message a profound message about uh, what's really true and false in our lives and what what's important to keep and what's important to let go of and these are these are the ways that we understand ourselves on a deeper level this is how we get to the roots of who we are which is where we find the divine self where we find the divine uh, uh, person whoever that is for us all right so that's enough for our first segment we're going to come back talk some more about fear and love right after the break stay tuned for more The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. 
Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring your story, Sarah Mare brings the psychology. Bring your problems, Sarah Mare brings the meditation and understanding. Sarah Mare is a psychoanalyst, addiction expert, national fitness competitor, top 40 singer-songwriter, and now she's host of Talk with Sarah Mare, where your life is the inspiration for unique, entertaining conversations about romances, aspirations, even the news, and how psychology and meditation can enrich living. Sarah Mare wants to hear you on Talk with Sarah Mare. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about fear and love. We've been taught, as we said in the first segment, that fear and love can't exist in the same space and that when if, if one loves, one can't be afraid, and if one is afraid, one can't be loving. And uh, what we're saying today is that that's a myth. That's not really true. For in fact, if everything is love, and it is, then fear is also love. And so we talked a little bit about that. If you missed that segment, go back and listen to it after uh, the show is over. You'll catch it in the archives. But um, what I want to say now is there are certain kinds of fear that present in certain kinds of ways. And we want to talk about those and see how that works. Uh, I want to talk about fear that presents as panic. I work with a lot of people that have uh, uh, what's called a panic disorder or they have occasional panic attacks. And... Um, and they don't know why that happens. It just seems to come up out of nowhere. Uh, and once, you know, sometimes once we've had one panic attack, then develop, we develop a fear that we're going to have another, and then we have another, and we get more fear that we're going to have another, and it just becomes this vicious cycle of having more and more panic because we're more and more afraid that we're going to have more and more panic. So um, uh, that can definitely happen to where we can get so afraid of just about everything that we become agoraphobic and that we live in our homes and never come out. And uh, we, we believe that our homes are safe and nothing else is. And I find that a very interesting belief because why is the home the thing that's safe? I mean, more people have accidents in their home than anywhere else. So why do we think that the home is the place that's safe? Well, that's because we've decided that we've got to have a, some pl- a, a safe place somewhere and we've made it into our home. And so that's what we've just decided and that's how it's going to be. And that's how that works. So the mind can do that. We can make a decision about what's safe and what's not safe and call things that are things that are safe whether or not they actually are. The truth is that safety is in grace. 
Safety is in the love that is the divine energy that is everything. And, you, you know, so that everything falls down into what it is, as I said in the beginning, love. But we all fall down into divine essence. <clears throat> so safety is in that divine essence. And we, we uh, experience our lives from, a, uh, if we can live in that divine essence, we can experience our lives from that perspective that everything that happens whether it seems unsafe or not, is actually giving us a gift, and uh, and then we can take that gift. But when a per- person lives in panic, what's been going on, as I said before, is that they've had this low-grade sort of fear that they've tried to push away, push away, and push away. Sometimes people talk about it sitting in the pit of their stomach, that they just feel afraid all the time, and they didn't even weren't even conscious of it for years, and then they begin to become conscious of it as a part of dealing with a panic disorder, um, and and because and that's a really good thing when they start to become conscious of it because that's when they're about to heal it. Becoming conscious is what wholeness is all about, but when we repress our fear and pr- try to tell ourselves it's not really there, and that's been very common a very common coping coping mechanism for fear. We push it away, we pretend it's not there, and we, uh, um, we live with some mi- maybe very minor awareness of fear or no awareness of fear, but it's still sitting there, and it's, it's kind of like this low-grade anxiety that just hangs around all the time, and then all of a sudden we start having these panic attacks. Why does that happen? It happens because we haven't addressed the fear. We haven't heard it, we haven't known it, we haven't paid attention to it, we're not mindful of it at all, we just want it to go away. And so we think that what we've done is make it go away, when in fact what we've done is make it grow bigger. So when we push stuff into the unconscious, what we do is we make our fears grow bigger. And uh, and so uh, then when you're, when you're working with a panic disorder, the object of the game is to become more conscious of what frightens you more conscious of that fear that's been sitting there at the pit of your stomach for your lifetime, more conscious of it and begin to listen to it and then it becomes your friend and then the panic begins to subside and you're not, you don't have the panic attacks so much anymore. Certainly there's medication for panic, um, but uh, what's been proven um, in research is that the thing that works best for, um, for any kind of disorder is both therapy and medication, not one or the other. You know, if medication is needed, then, then um, therapy along with medication is best. Some, of co- some problems, of course, don't need medication, but when medication is needed, it, it works best in combination with therapy. So, um, so it's, uh, uh, what we can learn about panic is that it, you know, the th- it, it, the thing that we panic about is symbolic of the thing that is most concerning to us. Um, for example, a person who's never been heard in their lives and feels uh, invisible and unheard, and that's always bothered them and that's always been something they've been afraid of, may start panicking about choking. That may be their panic, what pushes their panic button. They're afraid they're going to choke. So... Uh, then they begin to panic about whether or not they might choke. And so that's how that works. So what they're doing is they're cutting off their ability to be heard in the same way that they've always been afraid that it would happen. So it's a kind of self-sabotage. 
and that's the way panic tends to work. Uh, so if I'm afraid that I'm going to die, then I have these uh, panics about something killing me. Uh, you know, uh, and we all have some degree of fear of dying because it's an unknown for us. And so we, we, uh, if we can put that into its place, then we begin to say, okay, um, I can be with this fear. Um, and then that is what one of the, one of the uh, very powerful Buddhist uh, meditation techniques is to help. And techniques is not the words they would use at all, but is to help people. Uh, begin to experience their own death. And what that means is not literally, but to experience what it would be like to to no longer be alive. And as they do that, what they do is let go of all of their attachments, and it helps people to deal with their fear of dying. And, and that helps us let go of lots of other fears, because a lot of our other fears are attached ultimately to death. So if I'm afraid that I'm going to choke, then I'm afraid that I'm going to, that, that I'm afraid I'm going to die of choking. Um, if I'm afraid I'm going to be in an automobile accident, then I'm afraid I'm going to die in the, as a result of the automobile accident or be so severely injured that I will ultimately die. I'm um, afraid of illness, then I'm afraid that I might die of that illness and I might suffer a lot in the process. So there's a lot, a lot of that ultimately that falls down to the fear of death. But uh, these fears, if we sit with them, if we let them express, if we even let ourselves sort of imagine experiencing that thing, then we begin to let it go, and that's part of what sometimes can happen with our with panic attacks. Is we can slowly step into a, 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 a minuscule part of an experience. Say, I'm afraid of choking. That I imagine that I might be beginning to choke, and what will I do with that? Don't have to experience the whole thing; just a minuscule part of it, and and be imagine that I'm doing that, and and then. Uh, be able to sit with the fears that come up as a result and, and, and listen to them in sort of a meditative state. So, you know, that's a piece of how we begin to deal with these fears. And the, the healing of them demonstrates that l- leaving the fear in the unconscious is not going to help us to become whole. So again, I want to reiterate what it says in the uh, Course in Miracles is perfect love casts out fear. If fear exists, then there is not perfect love. So they, that would be a canceling out of each other. Only perfect love exists. If there's fear, it produces a state that does not exist. That's the part I disagree with. I do believe that only perfect love exists. But I don't believe that if there is fear, it produces a state that does not exist. I believe that fear, if only perfect love exists, then fear is also love. So our, our fears are telling us that they love us in some kind of way. And so if I've got a panic attack, my fear is trying to say, let's look at yourself and let's resolve this issue that you've been afraid of all your life. Let's turn and face it and let's um, courageously begin to deal with that. And as we do, you heal, you become more whole. And that is the most loving thing we can do for ourselves. What we want to do is shrink behind our fears and not have to use courage um, because it's scary. And uh, so we, we tend to say, well, I'm afraid of that, therefore I shouldn't have to do anything with it. That's another thing we do with fear besides, um, you know, uh, try to push it away. We obey it. We push it away, pretend it's not there, and also simultaneously obey it so that uh, – so that we're saying, well, I'm afraid to drive my car, therefore I won't drive my car. 
I'm afraid that I might choke, therefore I'm not going to eat. You know, I'm afraid of, uh, of robbers and stealers and muggers and rapists, so therefore I'm not going to go out of my house. And, and that's, that's the kind of way that fear can just take more and more and more of our lives. And so people that panic very commonly will avoid whatever it is that they're afraid of. And avoidance does not help the fear go away. In fact, it makes the fear bigger. Um, so, uh, so again, if, I'm, if I can sit with the fear, if I can listen to the fear, if I can be, uh, be beside the fear instead of letting it dominate my life, then it has a loving message to give me. Uh, and and that, that piece is the piece that we have left out when we talk about fear. Um, so, okay, so that's panic. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, how fear can really make us sick sometimes as well. Sometimes when we stay in a state of constant anxiety, we're, we're always, uh, you know, responding to life as if there's something to be afraid of. Then eventually it begins to make us sick. Sometimes it can make us sick mentally. Sometimes it can make us sick emotionally so that we can't do anything but be afraid. And sometimes it can make us sick physically because we've lived in fear for so much of the time. I remember a time in my life when I was very, very afraid of a particular work situation that I was in because I was afraid uh, of the boss who was asking me to do some unethical things and I was afraid that he was going to fire me because I had to keep standing up to him every time he asked me to do something unethical because I was in a position of responsibility and I knew that if I didn't do, if I did what he wanted me to do, then he would just say, oh, she did it and I would lose my job. But if I did, if I resisted doing what he wanted me to do, I would also possibly lose my job because he would fire me for not doing what he wanted me to do, which was unethical. So it was a kind of in a catch-22, and I was very afraid. I was a single parent with two children, so I was very afraid of losing my job. Um, but I decided that instead of being controlled by the fear, which would have kept me, I would have just gone into hiding uh, and just tried to please him and gone into hiding, which was an option I had severely considered. Uh, and, uh, and But what I decided to do was just listen to my fear and go forward and keep going forward with what I believed to be truth. And it ultimately turned out that um, in a really positive way for me, not only did I, uh, I learn, I changed that job, I got another job that paid better and uh, offered me greater opportunity, but uh, ultimately, but I also um, had an impact on what happened at the other job uh, because I continued to face my, my fears. And that time was a time where the fear just didn't go away. It kept hanging around. I w- went to bed with it at night and woke up with it in the morning, and I, I couldn't make it go away. Uh, so I just decided to be with it and let it speak to me. And that was a time of, of great change in my life. It, it changed me completely. I became a different person because of, as a result of that, that time in my life. So that was a very loving gift that my fear gave me. Um, and, and so I can just say I could credit the external circumstances with that. I could say, well, those external circumstances made me, uh, you know, a better person. But actually, it was not the circumstances. It was what I did with my fear that made me different. And so that's what I'm talking about with regard to fear. Um, and because I did that, I didn't get sick. 
I had been sick, uh, physically sick, as a result of my anxiety about that position early on because I wasn't really dealing with my fear. But as soon as I turned and looked at the fear and began to let myself be courageous enough to deal with it, I stopped being sick. I got through that entire time, and it was a two-year length of time, um, without getting physically sick. And it was a very stressful time. So you would think that I would have been uh, so stressed that I was sick, but because I was listening to the fear instead of letting it control me, uh, I got through it without being sick. So fear can make uh, take a toll on our physical body um, if we don't listen to it as a loving friend. If we continue to make it an enemy and try to send it away, it can make us physically sick, mentally sick, emotionally sick. Um, and, but if we, if, if we take this statement made in The Course in Miracles and say only perfect love exists, therefore fear is only love. If we say that, then we can be with our fear and, and be mindful of it and, and not let it control our lives. But if we say only perfect love exists, therefore if there is fear, it produces a state that does not exist, then what we're trying to do is try to push that fear out of our heads so that we cannot be in that state that doesn't exist. Um, if we continue to believe that life is an illusion and that nothing in life is really real, uh, which is many of our great teachers are out there teaching today, um, then what we're doing is saying that I don't really have to experience the reality of the life that I've got. I can pretend it away, and therefore I don't gain anything from that experience. And what I'm probably doing with the emotions about that experience is trying to repress them in the name of feeling joy and bliss and peace all the time. So uh, ultimately repression, of course, does not help us. As I've said before, it, not, it will pop up in some other way. But not only that, repression can make us physically sick, as we were, as we were saying. So it's really important for us to begin to, to, to utilize fear as a tool that we can, uh, that for our own self-care, it's a tool for self-care. It's nurturing us. It's trying to provide for us. It's trying to uh, speak to us about a pathway that we might not see if we're not listening. It's it's really trying to help us have a better, bigger, enjoyable, more abundant life. Uh, that's what fear is trying to do because it falls down to love. Because fear is also love. There is nothing that is not love. Anger is also love. Um, we've talked about that before on the show as well. So uh, it's really important for us to reassess what we think about fear. And I want this message to get out there and out there and out there. So if you're listening and you have friends that want to hear this, please send it to them. Please share this message with them because it's so very important for us to, to redefine fear as our friend, not as an enemy that we need to repress. All right, so that's it for our second segment today. We're going to be back in just a minute more, a few minutes, to talk about uh, love and fear. Stay tuned. The best is yet to come. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Religion and spirituality hold their places in society today, but where exactly do they fit in? Does activism truly result in global change? Join interspiritual pioneer and scientist Dr. Kurt Johnson 
along with interfaith leaders Ben Bowler and Doug King, and a host of correspondents for The Convergence, a groundbreaking show that affects our future and that of the world. Tune in every Thursday starting at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for The Convergence. Don't miss out. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Do you just seem to be stuck in the same pattern over and over? Sometimes life seems to be about just spinning your wheels. It never has to be that way. Listen for Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with host Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Mosaic art is a lot like pieces of our lives. They just need to be put back together, one piece at a time. You deserve to live a happy life. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. back talking today about love and fear and the relationship between the two what we've said so far is instead of perfect love casting out fear uh, and uh, the idea that if only perfect love exists then fear is not really there fear is not really is an illusion so in the course in miracles it says perfect love casts out fear if fear exists then there is not perfect love which puts fear and love in enmity with each other But it says only perfect love exists. If there is fear, it produces a state that does not exist. So what I'm saying is perfect love does not cast out fear. Perfect love is fear because fear is love because only love exists. And uh, so we've been, a lot of us have been taught that that fear is something we should get rid of. And then if we don't get rid of it, we're going to be weak and we're going to be vulnerable to the forces of life that would use and abuse us. Not only that, but we, are, uh, uh, we have to cast it out and become these fearless people because somehow we're not good enough. We're not measuring up to true spirituality if we don't always live in peace, love, joy, and bliss. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a range of feelings for a reason. We were given a range of feelings for a reason. We weren't just given the capacity for bliss, love, and joy. We were given the capacity for fear and anger and sorrow and irritation and all kinds of other feelings that come up. And they're all there for a reason, and every one of them love us. And we need to be able to take those feelings in and be mindful of them and hear their message in order to be able to to live a life that is whole 
And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for wholeness. We're not looking for halfness. We're not looking for one half of us to be conscious and the other half to re- remain unconscious. We're, we're looking to make as much of the experience of life and all of its uh, emotional content conscious uh, so that we can be as fully conscious as possible. Uh, I'm not sure that in any one lifetime we will totally get rid of conscious, uh, uncon- the unconscious. I suspect that that's what the end of samsara looks like um, uh, from the Buddhist perspective, that we get off the wheel of samsara, the wheel of suffering and all of that, when we stop having an unconscious. That's a long journey for most of us. And I do believe that there will come a time when, when all of us are conscious. I do believe that's what we're headed for. We're not headed for the end of the world. We're headed for a time when all of us become conscious and uh, more and more aware and more fully aware of who we are as divine beings who exist both in form and in formlessness. I believe that's what it's all about. That's what we're doing here. We're creating form that can also be formlessness. And in the process, we have to walk through duality where we have split ourselves off into conscious and unconscious and get to the other side of that and put it to rest forever. Um, I do believe that's what we're doing. That was a very brief version of a very long topic, but um, I do believe that's what we're doing here. So uh, if we believe that everything is love, then we have to look again at fear and say, well, let's let's look at fear differently. Let's look at it as as our friend, not our enemy. So another thing that fear can do is it can turn into anger. You know, we've got fight, flight, uh, and and uh, freeze. Those are the three options, of course. And I've said the fourth option is to sit with it, to sit with the fear and let it speak and uh, let it uh, tell us what it came here to say. Um, but fear can turn into anger. How does that happen? Well, very commonly, the minute we feel fear, some people, particularly some people who are trying really hard not to ever be afraid, um, will immediately put that shield of anger up so that, you know, now I'm on guard and you're not going to hurt me and I'm going to stop you and you can't, I'm going to defend myself mightily in whatever form I have to defend myself. And, and, and that's what anger does. Anger steps up and it says, I got this, you know, dun dun dun, I'm coming forth and I'm going to speak up and I'm going to say what I need to say and I'm going to duke it out if I have to, you know, to, to, uh, to deal with this fright, this fear that I've got. So for some people, rather than panic, rather than get sick, they will, um, they will, they will fight. They will fight with other people, um, or other situations or other things. And it, and it, uh, what that means is that they get really angry as a way of dealing with their fear. And, um, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong or right. I'm not going to judge it, but I think very commonly what the anger does is become the first thing we look at. We look at our anger, but we don't see the fear behind it, and we don't, therefore, really address the problem. Um, So road rage, I think, very commonly is made up of fear, but most people don't know that. Um, Road rage happens when... um, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, you're going to hurt me on the road, and therefore I get really angry at you and I come after you. Um, that's a very common response to, uh, to uh, of the evolution that is road rage. Um, sometimes people on the road are just bullies, and they're not they're not experiencing the kind of fear I'm talking about. They're just bullies, and but uh, being a bully can sometimes be a result of repressed fear. 
So again, it's a, a distorted way of dealing with fear instead of dealing with it in a, in a more positive, forward-looking uh, way where we see f- fear as love. But when fear becomes anger, one of the things we can do is begin to look at the anger as love and look at the anger or the messages the anger has to give us. And then we begin to see the fear behind the anger and the vulnerability behind the fear. And then we've really done some major work on the psyche where we are able to see what, what has pushed us around and, uh, and begin to heal it. Um, it's, it's looking at what pushes us around that is really very important. I work with a lot of clients who will say, you know, I ask them, you know, uh, do you know what was going on with you when that happened or when you did that? And they go, I don't know. Um, very commonly they'll cry in my office and they'll say, I don't even know why I'm crying. Um, you've done that. We've all done that. We've cried sometimes and then we go, well, why we're crying? What, what's that about? We don't know what we're crying about. Um, and that means that we're out of touch with those emotions and we can be that separate from our emotions so that they push us around. They make us do things, but we don't know why. We don't know what's going on in there. We don't know what's motivating us. And uh, motivation is a whole topic of psychology today where people are talking about what motivates. How can people become more intentional? What does that mean to, to drive yourself to a goal? How does that work? How do some people feel very motivated and others don't? Well, I think we're always being motivated. It's just what we're motivated by that we, we don't always know. And, and, and our emotions very commonly will motivate us to do certain things. For example, as I said earlier, sometimes when we're afraid, we're motivated to obey the fear uh, and, and hold ourselves back or don't do the thing that we might need to do in order to, to cope with that fear. So uh, in the same way, fear can make us angry. It can drive us forward and say, I'm going to fight with you, and that way I don't have to know that I'm afraid. I'm going to be tough and strong, and, and you won't ever know that I'm afraid. I'll just tell you off, and that'll be that. Uh, and therefore, you don't know that I'm afraid, and guess what? I don't know that I'm afraid either, and therefore, fear doesn't get the opportunity to love me. Um, and so I miss out on that grand opportunity because I've, used, I've, I've just shoved my fear into anger, and anger has motivated me to act, and I look at my action And I don't really look any further than that, if I look at it at all. Um, So, you know, fear can be shoved around into other things as well. It can make us sick. Uh, It can make us hide. It can make us uh, 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 panic. It can can make us angry. Um, But none of that is done in a healthy way. All of that is a distortion of uh, of the how fear can be used to help us grow and be stronger and be whole people. Um, So uh, it does take courage to deal with fear in a healthy, whole way. It takes the ability to to sit with the fear, which takes some courage, because a lot of times we don't want to sit with the fear because we're afraid of the fear. We have a fear of the fear, and that's one of the things we've been taught by this movement that's out there today that tells us that perfect love casts out fear and therefore we should not be afraid. Um, uh, so I'm sad that that's happened. I'm sad that there's so many people out there who believe now that because that teaching has been so prolific that that fear has to be something we avoid. Fear has to be something we push away um, rather than fear being a loving thing that we give to ourselves because that's absolutely what it is. 
And uh, so that's why I, I wanted to sh- give the, do this show, and that's why I've had other shows about fear as well, because I want to uh, I want to change that thinking. I want us to evolve past that thinking that says we have to rid ourselves of fear to be able to live always in peace, love, and joy, and bliss. And then we can know, if I can live always in bliss, then I'll know that I'm a spiritual being. Well, I can know I'm a spiritual being because I am alive to the bone. I know what goes on inside of me. I know me, and I stand inside me, and I can be with myself. I can be present with myself. I can listen to myself. And that there is a powerful joy that comes from that. There's a powerful peace that comes from that. But that's not always the case. We don't always feel that joy and peace. Sometimes we feel great fear. Sometimes we feel great sorrow. Sometimes we feel great anger. Sometimes we feel uh, less angry, like irritated or frustrated. Uh, These are the things that are a part of living here on planet Earth, and they are all meant to give us a gift because they are all forms of love. There is nothing that is not love. Therefore, fear is love. Not therefore we should make fear go away, but not, but therefore there is nothing but love. Therefore, fear is love. Love is fear. And so uh, being, it takes a little courage to be able to do that, to be able to sit with ourselves. But if we can just go, okay, I'm afraid of being afraid, so let me sit with that fear first. Let me sit with the fear that says I'm afraid of being afraid. What do I think will happen when I, when I feel fear? Does it make me an unrighteous person? Does it make me less spiritual? Does it make me vulnerable? Does it make me susceptible to being hurt? Maybe I was hurt as a child, and I don't want to remember that, so therefore I don't want to sit with my fear because it makes me remember having been hurt. I don't know what it is, but there's some reason why we're afraid of being afraid. And and to be able to sit with that fear first and just listen to it. And then, you know, slowly let it speak, slowly let it just uh, integrate a little bit. And then we can sit with the fear. First we sat with the fear of the fear, now we're sitting with the fear. And we're going to listen to it, and what does it have to say? And as we do that, what happens is there's the puzzle pieces of our lives together. We begin to put together the puzzle that is us, the mystery are ourselves and we begin to go oh that's why I do that oh that's I that's why I was crying oh that's why I was so afraid oh that's why I got so angry oh that's why I quit that job oh that's why I left that relationship now I understand me better because one of the biggest problems we have is we don't get ourselves we don't get ourselves and being sitting with our emotions really does help us to get ourselves on a fundamental level on a foundational level and so when, when fear is the primary emotion that needs to be felt, then sitting with it gives us a message of love, of self-care. Anger does the same thing, but we're not going to spend time, a lot of time talking about anger today. But self-care is what it's all about. Self-care is our primary job. Uh, we think our primary job is other care, that we're supposed to be here to take care of others. We are our brother's keeper. But actually we're not. We are our own keeper, and our brother is his own keeper. And uh, so when, when we take really good care of ourselves, we can use our emotions as 
as messengers, nurturing messengers to help us do that work because they want to tell us about the ways that we can love ourselves better. They want to tell us about the ways that we can um, be more present in our lives and uh, find ways to be more emotional and find ways to be more responsive to the abundance of our emotions and find ways to be uh, more clear about uh, what we are feeling and what we are thinking and what we do discern in the world and what, how we are intuiting what's going on in a given relationship. That's what we can do with our emotions, and fear is just one of those. So bottom line, there is only love. Therefore, fear is also love. We don't have to push love away. We can be I mean, push fear away. We can be present with fear, and it will give us love. That's what our message for today, and we're going to be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.